As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Bags and Brisby is brought to you by Direct TV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on-demand. Learn more at directtv.com. High in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 161 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. Andy, subject near and dear to your heart. Johnny Cueto, he has a 161 on base percentage this year. Second best on the team. 161, Johnny Cueto. You know, I did actually tell him recently that he has a lower career slugging percentage than Bartolo Colon, and he was... um. <laughs> I would say he was nonplussed. His reaction was, <laughs> they don't pay me to hit. So um, right now, unfortunately, they're not paying him to pitch either because he's on the right. injured list. And I, I don't know if we're going to see Johnny Cueto again. Uh, but um, yeah, Johnny Cueto is certainly entertaining, if not particularly productive at the plate. Yeah. All right. Well, Johnny, we'll, we'll talk about Johnny Cueto in a little bit, I think. Just the idea that he might not be back at all this year, which is a pretty big drag because you had predicted some big postseason things from him. But let's, you know, not bury the lead. There is going to be a postseason. It's guaranteed the Giants will play beyond their 162nd game. They have clinched at the bare minimum a second wild card spot. Yeah, how about that? They they kind of uh, take it to you, Darvish, right away as they start a homestand. They won their seventh game in a uh, row or eighth game in a row, right? And uh, yeah. um, they had a, a, a perfect road trip uh, to Coors Field where no team had swept all year, a road team anyway. And then, and then at Wrigley, they uh, found a way to win three times and they just keep holding off the Dodgers. And um you know, it's it's. I was a little surprised that they celebrated as much as they did. I, I thought that maybe they would just mark the occasion with a little, you know, um, uh, a little tip of the cap to each other. But I mean, they they did celebrate like they uh, had kind of you know made it to the top of the mountain. Yeah, and I I thought about it for a little bit, and I think the calculus goes something like this: 
if you don't, if you're too cool for school and then at the very end, a very good Dodgers team catches up with you, there's like no celebration. You're not celebrating on the 162nd game. If you you don't win the division on that day, you're not just saying, ah, let's dogpile anyway, you know, because we're in. So like this was you have to take that chance when it's offered. Otherwise, you get the weird situation where you have one of the greatest seasons in franchise history, but you never celebrate it. So I, I think you had to do at least something. I think they, they found a pretty decent balance. Yeah, I wonder if it would be different if Bruce Boshi were managing the team. But I, I kind of feel like things like this are kind of run by the players. Evan Longoria is big into, you know, um, you know, sort of the clubhouse culture of, you know, this is what we do together as a team type of stuff. So I, I would imagine that they probably talked about it with the coaches and, and a lot of the veteran leaders said, heck yeah, we're never going to pass up a chance to celebrate something because the season is so long and you have to, you know, take that time to acknowledge whenever you can. Because um, like you said, it may not come again. Uh, but the other part of me kind of thinks like, no, you should just be like, we're keeping the nose to the grindstone and we'll celebrate when we win the division because that's what we expect to do. So maybe this way they'll just get to celebrate twice if they can hold on. And it is, uh, we've talked about it a lot in this podcast, uh, the no turds philosophy of the, the 2021 Giants. Uh, Mike Yastrzemski, that was the first thing he said in his post-conference Zoom was like, I have never been around an organization with every player on the roster. And then he included the coaches. There are just, you know, no bad eggs was his terminology. I like no turds, but no bad <laughs> eggs. And I think it, they, it, they just seem to genuinely enjoy the whole, the whole shebang. You know, they, they enjoy, enjoy each other. They enjoy the run that they're on. Uh, there isn't drama. There's not uh, Lamont Wade Jr. secretly grumbling that he should hit against every lefty that comes up. I, I You know, it's just, it's it's a good looking team, I think. Good looking bunch. Yeah, you know, I, I've actually brought this up, you know, with, with Gabe Kapler and, and when I talked to Farhan Zaidi for quite a while uh, a week ago, and I said, do you think the fact that Gabe and this coaching staff, their first season was held in a quasi bubble of a pandemic when we really you know, were locked down and they forced each other to kind of come together and and did that almost help in a weird way? And both of them were like, yeah, to some degree, I, I think it did. And uh, especially when you've got a coaching staff that is going to do some things differently and ask some people to, you know, take on different roles. I think it kind of stood out less because of the overall context of well, everything's weird. Everything's disjointed. Everything is an adjustment right now. And uh, the fact that they were able to kind of come together and not have any positive COVID tests last year, um, I, I, I do think that that maybe helped to develop the culture or accelerate the development of some of that culture uh, that allowed for them to do what they've done this year. Um, and, you know, self-selecting for players who aren't going to rebel against, you know, being used in a way that's collaborative is has a lot to do with it too. So, you know, you credit the players, you credit the front office for selecting those players. And, and obviously you, you credit the coaching staff and, and Gabe Kapler for, uh, you know, creating uh, that culture. Because I, I think without all of that, um, I'm not sure all the performance really happens the way that it's happened. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And with the Dodgers two and a half back as of this recording, um, I think it's with they have 17 games left. The Giants have 18 games left. And it's really easy to look at a two and a half game lead or deficit and say, well, that's just three games away from uh, being much, much different. And it is. But when you start crunching the numbers of how little time is left, if the Giants were to go nine and nine, the Dodgers would have to go 11 and six to catch them. And 11 and six is like their season winning percentage. That is the default of the 2021 Dodgers so far. So even if the Giants go nine and nine, the Dodgers have to play just as well as they played all season just to catch them. And then you start messing around. If the Giants go 10 and eight, well, the Dodgers have to do this. And uh, it's really just a good position to be in. And I think it's easy to undersell what a two and a half game lead means with 18 or 17 games left. Well, especially when you see the way that they played against the Padres and what the Padres have been doing. I mean, they scored four runs in three games against the Dodgers. And now the, the Giants just took it to them here to open the series. And the Padres still have a lot of talent. But, you know, it's it's always been not necessarily who you play, but when you play them. And, you know, you looked at the 10 of the 19 remaining games on the schedule were against the Padres, and you'd think, boy, that's really rigorous. And and now maybe you're thinking, hey, that, that could be really good if this team continues to free fall and, you know, um, you know they just kind of get in give up mode a little bit. Um, it could actually very much work to the Giants' benefit that they have all these games against the Padres if, you know, they, they uh, continue to sort of play not nearly up to their standards. And, you know, you look at the final weekend of the season, too, and, and, and the Dodgers have a home series with the Milwaukee Brewers, and you think, well, well, that's good. You know, the, the Brewers are, you know, probably one of the best teams in baseball, especially since May. But, you know, the Brewers will be clinched by then, and they will have the division wrapped up, and I don't think you're going to see them pitch you know, Brandon Woodruff or Corbin Burns in the final game of the regular season. So, um, you know, that that may not be as advantageous either. It, it is funny. You look at the schedule on sort of a superficial level and can figure out winning percentages and all this other stuff uh, of, of common opponents, but it really kind of you have to get a flavor and a character for how teams are playing. And, and right now, I think you'd have to look at – the fact they've got all these games against the Padres as as is maybe a positive and not a negative. Yeah, yesterday I had that like uh, wait a second moment about the Brewers ending the season in L.A. Uh, for a while, I was looking at that series as like, oh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one for the Dodgers. And then at one point, it's like, wait a second, they're not. They're going to be pitching, you know, uh, Colton Wong. Like they're not going to be pitching Corbin Burns. It's going to be just set yourself up for the postseason. So that's a little bit of a drag. The Dodgers have a ton of games. Uh, five as of this recording against the. Diamondbacks. I mean, they have some advantages. The Padres, I cannot listen. I'm not ready to just say that they're lousy because I don't understand it. It breaks my brain. We're, we give them a lot of credit or, you know, we, we give them a lot of space because they've had injuries, more injuries than any team in baseball. I, there is like extenuating circumstances there. At the same time, that can't explain this all. What in the, what in the heck? What What's wrong with them? They are. <laughs> they look so lousy lately. I mean, they're one of the teams that had probably the biggest drop off in terms of performance and spin rate after the sticky checks. Uh, there's, I mean, that's, that has been a factor. Um, but, um, yeah, I think you're right. It's, it's not just the injuries, but they thought they had so much pitching depth and, you know, not only have they lost a lot of the pitching that they were counting on, you know, they never really got T Nelson Lamette back. 
uh, as a guy who could be, you know, an above average starter. Um, but some of the some of the pieces that they may be counting on, they probably thought Mackenzie Gore would be yes. dominating in their rotation right now, and he just kind of had a meh year in, in the minor leagues and never showed that he was ready, uh, you know, to face uh, major league hitters. So um, they they really have had a lot go wrong. But then, <laughs> but then you look at the Dodgers too, and Cody Bellinger is basically you know Chris Davis, and um, you know, uh, gosh, uh, you know Tr- Trevor Bauer is turning out to be the worst free agent signing of all time, all things considered. Um, they just got Clayton Kershaw back after being out a while. Um, um, May went had Tommy John surgery. I mean, they've they've had a lot go wrong too. Mookie Betts has probably not been Mookie Betts for most of the season, and yet you know they've they've been able to weather through. And I think it's because they're winning in a similar way that the Giants are. You know, they just throw so much you know quality depth at you. And you know, maybe this is just the way you have to win baseball games in, in 2021, uh, because certainly these two teams are are able to get over the hump uh, with the various injuries that they've had, and, and the Padres haven't. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The thing that sticks in my head when you think about the Giants clenching a postseason berth is that it's just it seems like no matter what happens as of right now, the likeliest scenario and this is, you know, the, the second place team, the NL West gets the home field advantage for the wild card, which means they would be favored to win. The The likeliest scenario is Giants, Dodgers, NLDS. Like that is where, where the train tracks have been laid and the, their point. It, it's going to be a mess because uh, it would either take a surprise, you know, in the wild card game against the Dodgers or the Giants to not have that happen. But right now, that's what they're on track for. I, I can't fathom it. Well, we know that the Giants are, you know, basically 99.999% going to open the postseason at home. They're either going to be the number one wild card or they're going to be the NL West champ. And I think the only way that we're going to avoid seeing our first Dodger Giant postseason series is if whoever goes to the wild card game doesn't win the wild card game. And that's that's pretty much it. And and you know, we think about the advantages of, of winning the division because you you avoid the the knockout game. But the other advantage is that if the Giants win the division, they put the Dodgers in that knockout game and anything can happen <laughs> in one game, right? I mean, you know, they, they could face the Reds or Padres and, and get a hot pitcher and, and, uh, and, and, and all of a sudden they're, they're out of the picture, uh, possibly. So, um, you know, and that's the other thing. We talk about the, the Brewers setting up their pitching toward the end and maybe not having to extend themselves. I, it totally works to the Giants' favor if they can not only win the division but maintain uh, this edge of a couple games that they have. Because, you know, if, if they can avoid having to throw, um, you know, the Gosmans and Webs of the world in the final couple games, then they'll be able to have a little more control over setting up their uh, their pitching schedule for the postseason. So there's certainly a lot of reasons for them to, you know, 
um, not just keep the foot on the gas, but but keep it, uh, you know, pedal to the metal. Yeah, I mean, I just think about a one-game playoff, and I just think Connor Gillespie. Like, you know, like the Giants could run into whoever the Connor Gillespie is of the Reds or the Padres. And the Padres still make me, like, they're giving me that 2014 Giants vibe where the Giants in 2014 just stumbled and stumbled and stumbled and found themselves in the wild card, not even hosting the wild card game. They, they tumbled from the best record in baseball all the way down to they had to squeak in with the second wild card and then all of a sudden well things started clicking for them the Padres have enough talent to where I'm not ready to write them off yet and I'm not just saying that to avoid being jinxy with all the games remaining against the Giants it just they have enough talent any team has enough talent we've seen it it's like you almost want the Giants to be stumbling into the postseason so just so you know the Will Meyer or the the the, uh, Connor Gillespie of the uh, Padres to the Giants would be Will Myers I mean I think that he's kind (laughs) of locked into that role um, you know, his, his agent has worked very hard to make sure he's cast in that role. Um, yeah, that is, it's his, <laughs> if he wants it. Um, I don't think you want to face Will Myers, uh, no. with, with the season on the line. So yeah, it's, uh, there's still, you know, quite a lot to play for. And, and, um, and, and, you know, again, I, I do think it's just, I think the clubhouse celebration thing is kind of silly. And frankly, the one reason I'm glad we're not in clubhouses this year is, I hate the champagne celebrations. I do. It's the worst working environment to be in. I mean, I, and, and, you know, I've driven home from some of those uh, champagne celebrations where I'm, you know, reeking of sticky beer and, and stuff and thinking, please don't let me get pulled over because no one will believe me. I will pass all field sobriety tests and they will still not believe me. Um, but I just, I just think it's goofy. I think it's dumb. I, I mean, that's my personal thought. They should do whatever they want, but um, I am glad that I'm not going to have to like, you know, shield my notebook from getting soaked by, you know, somebody's, you know, sprayed can of Bud Light. So that, that, that part is good for me. I think you should just, you know, relive it at home. Like just while you're on the Zoom, just, it it doesn't have to be champagne. Just shake up a LaCroix and just pop it over your head. Just, (laughs) just feel like you're there, you know, man, just live a little, just live a little. Yeah. Why, why have White Claw over on my keyboard? What's happening here? (laughs) Oh man. No, it's, I think that the Giants, and you make a really good point when it comes to the avoiding the wild card. Obviously, it's, well, you don't want to be one and done. That's the biggest fear. But with this rotation right now, where you have Cueto perhaps not pitching again in 2021, where you have Alex Wood, even when he comes back, what's his stamina going to be like? We just don't know. You have three starters if you're the Giants, and then generally you need four in the postseason, so you would need a bullpen day, a dedicated bullpen day. A little bit easier to manage with the dedicated off days. Uh, But still, the Giants have more to gain from avoiding the wild card, setting the rotation that they would li- that they would like and going into the NLDS with that rather than, okay, well, gosh, we got to pitch Webb or, or Gosman here and then we'll figure it out on the fly. It just, it, it's good for every team to win the division, of course, but it seems like the Giants need the division just a little bit more than most. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. And I, I'd be curious to get your take on you know, the whole concept of the bullpen game. We know the Rays have, have done it uh, on the regular and they have um, you know, the best record in the American League. Um, the Giants started this eight-game winning streak by taking a bullpen game and beating Walker Bueller. And they've thrown, what, three bullpen games uh, out of the eight wins? Um, you know, is this – just what do you make of it? Is this a sustainable way to for a team to operate? Um, you know, it's, it's clearly I think you'd rather have, you know, five stout starting pitchers. But, I mean – you can't argue with the success that they've had is uh, what, what do you sort of think is happening in the game that's allowing this to, 
to really be kind of a go-to strategy. It's tricky because the Giants, they are uh, close to the league lead. I had the stats up. I can't find them right now, but they're close to league lead or in the league lead when it comes to pitchers pitching uh, on zero days rest. It's the Dodgers and the Giants right at the top. And I guess that says something. Those are two smarty pantses of teams. Uh, and, you know, so there's something to that. You look at the, the Giants bullpen and the run prevention that they've done all year where you've got Jake McGee, Tyler Rogers, Harleen mm-hmm. Garcia, Jose Alvarez, Zach Littell, Dominic Leone, uh, Antonio Watson, all with ERAs under three. Uh, a lot of them, you know, closer to one than three. And it's like you have this Voltron that adds up to a Cy Young contender. And I'm not saying that they're all independently Cy Young contenders, but when you put them together to get nine innings out of, you know, these six, seven, eight pitchers, it, it's a group that pitches like a Cy Young contender, just quality start after quality start, even if it's in a weird kind of uh, haphazard way. So it, it works and all that you're worried about is stamina. That's all you're worried about is just can they keep it going? Uh, can they just do what needs to be done to stay effective? Zero days rest, one day rest. Uh, that's the only question I have about the bullpen day. Yeah, it's, you know, wins above average is just crazy. You've got the Red Sox at 3.3. Then you got the Giants and Yankees at 3.2. And you don't get to a National League team until you get to the Dodgers at 0.7 wins above average. And then the only other... Uh, NL team that's getting a positive, you know, wins above average contribution from their bullpen is the Atlanta Braves at 0.3. So, you know, that just tells you that the Giants have uh, have gotten a lot of value um, and have have basically added a lot of wins because of the performance of their bullpen. And, you know, I, I do think it would be kind of tricky to sort of lean too heavily on it in the postseason because you're not able to you know, refresh your roster from day to day. I mean, every single day they have roster moves. So, um, you know, that's that would be tougher to negotiate in, you know, best of five and, and even more so in a best of seven series. Um, but yeah, you, you look at that and, and it's like, yeah, they, they should be as equipped as any team in the in the major leagues to to thrive in a bullpen environment. But it's just to me, I just think it doesn't make sense because you're relying on, you know, seven, eight different guys and you're counting on, you know, eight dice rolls to go your way. You know, if any one of them is off or if any one of them struggles, um, you know, then you're putting yourself at risk to kind of you know, lose some momentum. Uh, and that just hasn't happened, uh, especially with the three batter rule. You put somebody in there, well, they don't have it. OK, now you got to, you know, watch them pitch to three batters. Uh, but it just yeah, it hasn't happened. Dominic Leone has turned into a, a nice first option. And, um, you know, Garcia has pitched uh, really well. Alvarez has pitched really well. Watson gives them another lefty. Um, and I, I thought that they'd be in the mode where they'd be counting on Tyler Rogers to throw three innings by now. And they haven't had to do that yet. And, and maybe they, they will still. But, uh, um, yeah, it's, it's just uh, – I keep thinking, okay, you know, this is where they're going to stumble, and it just hasn't happened. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. 
Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. One caveat that sticks out uh, when it comes to the bullpen right now is that, yes, I listed a bunch of pitchers, a bunch of names, and they all have ERAs in the, the ones or twos behind them, and that's outstanding. But when you look under the hood and you've got the peripheral stats, the FIP, uh, they're all in the threes. Effective, you know, still above average for reliever, but not quite as dominant. I mean, Jake McGee, Tyler Rogers, Harleen Garcia, Jose Alvarez, like they all have FIPs, three, three and a half, uh, three and three quarters. Um, they are just like, so is, are the Giants breaking FIP? Are they doing something with their attack plans, with their ability to just target hitters specifically that doesn't rely on missing bats as much as maybe the statistics say they should, or are they lucky? I don't like saying lucky, but I also don't know. I don't want to just wave a wand and say, oh yeah, they're just effective. They're smarter than everyone else. That seems iffy as well. It's a good question. I think one of the biggest things is they just don't give a lot away. I mean, they don't walk a lot of guys um, and they don't give up that many home runs. They tend to get more ground balls. Um, So those things probably all help them. Um, and they've, I think they've been pretty good about, you know, not warming guys up and then not using them. They've been pretty good about, um, sharing the workload, which they're able to do because, um, you know, they've, they've created a lot of depth for themselves. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really kind of, I still think there's a lot that we don't quite understand about, you know, why this bullpen has been as good as it's been. Um, some Sometimes a bullpen will get a lot, uh, really lucky if you look at like inherited runners stranded and stuff like that. And it'll be some crazy number. I remember the Giants in 2010, I think had some crazy number where like Javier Lopez stranded like, you know, 28 of the 29 batters that he'd inherited. And, and you know, that kind of stuff will even out after a while. But you look at inherited runners and the Giants are right there on league average, 34%. And the league average is 35% are scoring. So, you know, it doesn't seem like there's any one column that you look at and you're like, oh man, yeah, th- well, this will even out over time. Um, I think the biggest thing is that they come in and throw strikes and, and uh, you know, I, I, I'll give you an example uh, from the seventh inning of a game in Chicago. Um, uh, you know, Tyler Rogers pitches uh, the, the bottom half of the seventh inning and there's a pair of three, two counts. And one of them, he gets a call from the umpire uh, on a pitch that was probably in. And then the next one, he gets a swing and a chase swing on a pitch that was pretty close, uh, uh, probably too close to take 3-2. And it's two 3-2 counts and it's two strikeouts. In the top half of that inning, the Cubs pitcher, I forget his name, had a couple of 3-2 counts. And he just yanked one. It was a super easy take for Buster Posey, who walked. And then another one, I think it was to Wilmer Flores. It was a 3-2 pitch. And it was a wild pitch. And it was a super easy take. uh, And it scored a run. And it turned out they won the game by one run. So, you know, they just, they made it easy for the Giants hitters because they were non-competitive misses. And I would say that I don't, watching the Giants bullpen, they obviously don't draw a lot of walks. But they also just don't make a lot of super non-competitive pitches. They're around the zone, and that just gives them a chance to make every decision a tough decision uh, for an opposing hitter. And, uh, you know, that's I think when you start doing that and you just add on and add on and add on over the course of a season and you do those things consistently, 
I just think it, 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 we're seeing it. It makes a big difference. Yeah, I see someone like Dominic Leone, and he has he's walking four guys per nine innings, which is on the higher side. It's it's uh, more than the average reliever. But when I watch him, I'm not saying, gosh, this guy can't find the strike zone. I'm watching him more in the Ryan Vogelsong sense where he's just grinding and he's he's not given in. And he's also allowed just two home runs in 44 and two-thirds innings. And I think that's the plan. The plan is to stay away from the meatballs. Walk a guy if you need to. Know the situation. Stay away from the meatballs. It, I'm so trained to say, oh, you know, it's it's all about strikeouts. It's missing bats. It's what the, the pitcher can control. But I think one of the Giants' philosophies this year has been you can also control the meatballs to some extent. You can also know the difference between a good walk and a bad walk and when you need to go in the strike zone and when you can kind of dance around the edges. And that's the execution that they've been good at 1 through 13 all year is just knowing you know, how how much give they have around the fringes of the strike zone. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and obviously the fact that they can keep the ball in the ballpark pretty well is, um, I mean, it's huge. You know, you, you look at some of the other relievers and, I, you know, we're going over the list of potential relievers they might want to add or people who've shaken loose elsewhere. And, you know, gosh, some people are just giving up so many home runs. And the Giants really don't. They don't give up the home runs. And if they do, they probably haven't walked someone in front of those home runs. And, um, you know, that's... Uh, that certainly made a big difference. Yeah. Uh, do you remember before the trade deadline when I was talking to you about uh, possible relievers the Giants could get? And I said, uh, quote, Tony Watson is going to be the best option. Craig Kimbrell is going to be a disaster for whomever gets him. He's going to allow too many home runs. The Giants should just stick to Tony Watson and uh, call it a day. Do you remember when I said that? Yes, of course. You you did say that. And, and <laughs> yes, you can't predict everything, right? I mean, you know, but yes. Oh, my gosh. No, I just, I look at what Craig Kimbrell is doing for the White Sox. He's not doing well. I mean, you know, he's still Craig Kimbrell, still throwing hard, but he's having problems with meatballs. He's given up a lot of home runs. He's he's walking people. I don't think he was as good as his, you know, point zero zero one ERA or whatever it was with the Cubs. Uh, but that's the thing about trading for relievers and trading like a, a foundational asset like Nick Madrigal. Trading someone like that, to get a reliever for just a few months, and I guess Kimbrel's under contract for next year, always, always, always dicey. I just, I don't know if I ever see Zaidi doing that. And now I'm seeing why. It's just, you look at what the White Sox gave up to get Kimbrel, and it, it, it's not looking good for them yet. No, and, you know, it just goes to show that, you know, you think about what makes a good team and, and building a good team. And, and you think of the teams that have all-stars at every position or have an all-star closer. And and if you can get it done with a collaborative approach, you know, we think of, and I'm sure there's a lot of Giants fans who are still a little bit, you know, iffy when Jake McGee, if this could be all said and done, you could get to game seven of the World Series. You got to hand the ball to somebody that you absolutely trust. And who knows, maybe it'll be Logan Webb. You know, maybe it'll be Madison Bumgarner uh, of, of 2021, whoever that might be. Um, but, you know, Jake McGee is, is still probably a guy that because he throws the one fastball all the time uh, and has had some blown saves, um, some of them not really his fault. Um, you know, there probably is still that feeling of dread, I think, among some Giants fans that, you know, it still would be nice to have somebody who is a, a big name or someone that you can inspire confidence or has, you know, the super flashy stats. Um, but I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see if this bullpen, which has provided value in the aggregate, will be able to be just as effective in the postseason. Because, yeah, you look at some of these numbers and their strikeout to walk ratio is the third best in the majors among bullpens behind the Rays and White Sox. Their 1.089 whip is the best in the majors, period. They've allowed 58 home runs, which is the fifth fewest, even though they've thrown the 12th most innings 
as a, a relief crew, and they're just not walking anybody. 166 walks is the fewest by any bullpen in the major leagues, and they've thrown you know the 12th most innings. So will all of this still kind of work in a the short burst? It certainly works in the aggregate. And I think that you know we've seen teams that have been super, super successful. And you go back and look at the 2001 Seattle Mariners. You know They had five starting pitchers that were really just pretty good bulk starting pitchers, and they had a great offense. And they would give up three runs a game and score six. That's how they won. But you get into a short season, and all of the things that make a team able to compile victories in the aggregate don't always work in the postseason. There's just a lot more randomness that can uh, come into play. So I'll be really interested to see just how they would put a, a postseason roster together and just how a lot of sort of the voodoo that they've been doing this season would work in, in a short series. Yeah, and apropos of very little, I, I do want to point out that in 2014, the Giants closer had a 1.70 ERA in the regular season. He was rolling. He pitched well in the NLDS. He pitched well in the wild card. Didn't give a, a run in either series. And then in a seven-game World Series, they needed him for two batters. And that's like, I always just think of that as like, gosh, maybe maybe Jake McGee won't be the story of the postseason because you're right. It, it's kind of like you see him when it when it's not working and it's not pretty when it's not working. I know it's not pretty for any reliever when it's not working, but with Jake McGee and the one pitch, it, there's a real like, gosh, whoo, yeah, I can see how that would get hit, over, you know, if he just throws it over and over again. And the guy right behind him, Tyler Rogers, is the same way. Like when he gets hit, it's like, yeah, that really is coming in there at 83, isn't it? Huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm not sure how this, you know, so like those two, have been wildly, they've been effective. They've been outstanding all season. Uh, Very few blips, very few uh, burps. But when it doesn't work, it's like, oh, well, we should have seen that coming. And and that's the Giants bullpen in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah. It's how do I get out of this nutshell? Um, uh, (laughs) But and they've, you know, they've had good runs where they've scored a lot of runs. And and they've early on in the season, Tyler Rogers was on a pace to be used in 90 plus games. I mean, it was just crazy. He appeared in what, 26 of the first 50 games? Um, and, and, and no, it might have even been less than that. Uh, but then they've started to have some, some spurts of the schedule where they were scoring more runs and, and, and could finish games with their less leverage relievers. And that probably has helped. That, that probably has really, really helped them, you know, manage, uh, the workloads and manage, you know, how much usage these guys have gotten. And, you know, I think there's probably, there's a lot of stuff that we don't really know about in terms of how they can quantify um, and how they can use sort of biometric data to figure out just who's fatigued and um, and, and how they can see fatigue in a sort of data-driven way um, and, and, and make decisions accordingly that are, aren't quite guesswork on, you know, who just may have it on a given day, as opposed to, well, his arm's dropping a little bit or, or the, the velo's down a little bit. Um, I think there's a lot more that they have access to that they can kind of rely on to make good decisions because, I mean, they, they've just been, this has been a tough bullpen to manage, really, because it just requires a lot of decision making and a lot of planning. And uh, uh, it's, I mean, they've obviously done a really, really good job at it. All right. This has been episode 161 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. We will be back and we'll know what in the heck the Giants did against these Padres if the Padres can get themselves out of the toilet. My gosh, what a weird year. All right. Thanks for listening and we will see you then.